0: This is Daniel Minnick, the host for Truth Espresso, and welcome to Truth Espresso Express. Yes, this is the series of episodes. Well, not really a series, but these are episodes recorded in Studio 2. And if you listened to the last episode of Truth Espresso Express, I explained that Studio 2 is my car. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, why would I record episodes in my car? Well, sometimes I have some ideas that I'd like to get out that um, are not apropos um, for arranging uh, the regular recording in my home studio with my nicer microphone stuff and uh, being a father of four kids and having a job and so on. And this job, this software development job, actually has me... uh, Going into the office. So, I do have to drive into the office uh, four days a week and drive home, of course. Excuse me. And so that gives me an opportunity to record on the go. And so, you know, you might hear some sound effects, some sounds of uh, a GPS uh, telling me directions. Not that I need it for directions to get to work but you know you never know when those accidents and stuff might happen and I might need it to tell me an alternate route and so that's why I do why I use my GPS and you might hear a turn signal Um, maybe I might mention some things that I'm passing by uh, on route to or from work uh, that might remind me of some things but, so here we go. This is the second episode of Truth Espresso Express. So what should I talk about on the second episode of it? The first episode was in response uh, to a Facebook question. That a friend on Facebook posed and I gave an answer not directly to him but to anyone who might be a single contemplating marriage and wanting kids. And so the last episode of Truth Espresso Express was the high calling of uh, being a husband and father. And not all episodes of Truth Espresso Express are going to be uh, responses to Facebook posts or even recent Facebook posts, but they make good fodder for short little discussions on my commute to or from work. And so one thing that came to my mind was, um, uh, A discussion that I had a little bit in exchange on Facebook. This was not recent. This was, um, I believe, at least a year ago with uh, a Lutheran by the name of Evan on Facebook. And there, there was a thread on Facebook talking about what baptism does, water baptism. And I am a Baptist, and so I have my ideas that are different from the Roman Catholics there, the Presbyterians there, and the Lutherans there, and the Church of Christ, if any of them were there. And um, so Evan was a Lutheran there. And I know Evan has um, been on... I think at least two debates Um, So I know apologetics live uh, with Andrew Rappaport He had Evan to give the Lutheran side of water baptism on I think two debates uh, various topics one with Ken cook on uh, does baptism save and um, Another one I think uh, was on infant baptism but so I remember having a short little exchange, um, giving my understanding of 1 Peter 3.21. And uh, as a Baptist, you know, a Baptist might have a little bit of a difficult time struggling with um, how to understand 1 Peter 3.21, and I've heard different explanations from Baptists to explain what does it mean. So what does 1 Peter 3.21 say? Um, Of course, I'm going to have to quote it from memories. I'm driving. I'm not going to be reading. I don't read and text like that like some other people do while they're driving. But the context of that is where it says that eight souls... We're saved by water it talks about Noah and his family being brought safely through the flood, and so eight souls were saved by water. And then First Peter three twenty one says the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, um, you know, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. Um, but uh, an answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, something to that effect, I'm um, uh, stating it for as much as I know from memory, but I think that's the gist of the verse. So it says that like Noah and his family were saved through the water of the flood, that is a figure, an anti-type, an anti of how we as believers in Jesus Christ are saved by baptism, so yeah, when you see uh, the Apostle Peter say that baptism also now saves us or saves you, I know there's a variant in the text there, but it doesn't, you know, affect the meaning there. So, how does baptism save us? And of course, uh, a very common understanding is to say that it means. The act of water baptism justifies you before God. It is the first and necessary um, initiation right, ordinance, sacrament that results in washing away your sins, justifying you before God. And uh, I know Lutherans differ from Roman Catholics and Lutherans believe that uh, faith um, is present in water baptism and so that There goes my GPS telling me I'm getting ready to go on the highway there, but Lutherans differ from Roman Catholics in that Lutherans will say that there's faith present in uh, water baptism, and so they might say something like, all baptisms are believers' baptisms, and Consequently, also, all baptisms are infant baptisms. Something to that effect, to say that, you know, everyone who's baptized is like an infant, or even that infants themselves, you know, when they're baptized, they actually have faith, and so it's a believer's baptism. Um, you know, Roman Catholics don't necessarily make the argument that faith is present baptism they're just gonna say that baptism washes away sins the act the sacrament regardless if the person upon whom it is performed actually does have faith so there's a difference there uh, Church of Christ are gonna say that you know they believe in credo baptism like Baptists, but they believe that the act of baptism Um, saves you in that it's necessary for salvation um, but you know it doesn't in any way sanctify you it's just it's just a you know bootstrap uh act of obedience that's necessary for your salvation uh it doesn't regenerate your heart or anything like that you just have to do it to be saved or you have to do it as one thing that's necessary for the whole of what you need to do and to maintain your salvation um but so um let me give my understanding Of first Peter 21 as I understand the context of what it's talking about and the parallel of how it compares to the flood because some Baptists will even say that uh, first Peter 321 is not talking about water baptism but Holy Spirit baptism um, and that is the baptism that saves and um, but you know I think the context when it's comparing the antitype of water of the flood and specifically uses the word water, that that gives us some context that water baptism is in view here. And, you know, when it says that it saves, you know, I, I tend to have to take uh, the apostle at his word. So my um, understanding of this and the parallel here is to figure out, well, what exactly does the apostle mean by it saving us? You know, Because the word save can have uh, different meanings or different flavors or different aspects when it refers to the life of the Christian. So that is the angle with which I am coming at it, that it is talking about water baptism and it does say that it saves, but um, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean it justifies Or, you know, how do we understand the type that Peter is making when comparing it, when paralleling it with the flood? Because what did the flood do for Noah and his family? And that is the angle with which I'm trying to understand it. I want to take it as literally as possible and take the parallel as intently as possible. So, Does water baptism justify one before God? Is that what Peter is saying? Well, what about that parallel with Noah? Because if we go back to Genesis um, chapter 6, and I believe it was verse 9, where it says that um, Noah was a just man a uh, righteous man uh, zedek and that word is often referred to uh, an Old Testament saint in um, in the Bible and so it seems to clearly say that Noah was just was uh, you know regarded by God as just before God told him to build the ark and that plays a role here you know where James talks about faith without words works is dead, well, you know, I believe that Noah had a living faith here, and it goes back to also the the Reformed understanding of sola fide, that, you know, one has faith alone. Faith alone justifies you before God, but that faith itself is a living faith, it's a faith that results in works. Now the works themselves are evidence of justifying faith. The works don't save you, but a saving faith will show itself. It will show itself in works. And that's what I believe that James is talking about. Like uh, when he says that faith without works is dead, you know, if you claim to have a saving faith, but you don't, demonstrate it? How can anyone know? Because he says, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. So, you know, how can anyone know that you have faith unless they can see it in action? And so a faith that justifies someone, the faith alone that justifies will ultimately demonstrate itself in works, and, and so if there's a faith, a so-called faith, that doesn't have any evidence in you know in works, that is how can you really understand that as a, an actual faith in God? But uh, so, that is the background with which I'm understanding Noah and the flood. And in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, it says that Noah was a just man. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, favor in the eyes of the Lord. And then God gave Moses the command to build the ark. And I, I recently on Facebook responded to uh, a question that or a challenge that someone posed claiming that Noah building the ark justified him well it says that Noah was Zedek or righteous or just before he built the ark and if we understand James chapter 2 uh, verse 14 and so on properly that passage about faith and works um, you know that James is putting the the works as um, associated with the faith he's not saying okay you have to have faith and then you also have to add works to it to be justified no he's saying you're justified by a true faith and that faith is one that works but faith alone actually justifies you. It's a real faith. And so because Noah was Zedek or righteous, therefore God gave him the command to build the ark and Noah obeyed. And that was evidence that he was Zedek before God. He obeyed the command to build the ark. And then, as we know from the account, uh, the flood floodwaters all, covered all over the high mountains, and um, God destroyed all the humans besides Noah and his family. So it was Noah and his wife and their three sons and their wives. So there's a total of eight people, and Peter mentions that there were eight souls that were saved through water. So this is the context with which we should understand how it was that Noah and his family, the eight souls, were saved through water and how that parallels water baptism for the believer. So did the flood itself literally justify Noah before God? Uh, I would say no because he was Righteous before he built the ark and before the flood happened. What did the flood do to everyone else who was literally submerged in the water? Well, they were destroyed. Now I'm not going to push that one. Oh, there goes my GPS. It's telling me not to turn onto another highway, but to stick to the one I'm on. Okay, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick on, um, <laughs> stick to the narrow way here on understanding water baptisms. So um, Noah and his family were saved through the water. The water destroyed the enemies of God. So the water separated Noah and his family from Uh, you know, it identified them as distinct, as separate from the influence of the wicked world. And that is how I understand that the flood, uh, that baptism saves, and how the flood is a parallel here to how baptism saves us. Because if we read, uh, you know, and it says, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. Now, I understand, you know, this doesn't mean that he's not talking about water baptism, he is, but he's saying that water baptism doesn't save us by washing literal uh, filth literal dirt from our body but it is an answer or a pledge or a response you know of a good conscience before God so you know I believe that water baptism in the Bible at all times is associated with faith it's not someone else's, conscience before God it is the one who is being baptized and so first Peter 321 I would say that you know it's a pledge of a conscience before God it demonstrates that the person being baptized does in fact have saving faith and saving faith is what justified so the parallel there Noah was justified he was righteous before building the ark and before going through the flood so how did the flood save Noah and his family? Well, the wicked there would persecute them, and God destroyed them. And God used the flood to identify them as a distinct and special people, according to the the actions, the 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 pledge of that conscience that Noah had in uh, following through with building the ark and going through uh, the flood waters. And so those who are baptized, with that parallel in mind, they have justifying faith in the act of baptism, well, before water baptism. And then water baptism is an act that reflects a regenerated heart. They have they are expressing through baptism what they have in their heart as a pledge, Uh, before God uh, a pledge of a good conscience before God Uh, you know an answer a response and so, well then, what does it mean that it saves them? Well, just like the flood saved Noah and his family, it didn't justify them before God. It saved them from the influence of the world. It's 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 part of it's the first step in sanctification, I would say. So, the flood saved Noah and his family by being an action uh, being a pro uh, you know an action in which they um were identified distinctly from the world publicly um and you know so it separated them from the world and that's what baptism is it's a, it's a an initiation right into um the body of christ the the that distinguishes them as a people distinct from the world. And so, you know, it it marks them off. And it's, you know, it's a step of obedience and it's a step of, of faith to sanctify yourselves from the influence of the world to be around Christians, to exhort one another to love and good works. And so it saves you... At least it's intended to save you by the act, the pledge of living the Christian life from here on out. So yeah that's basically my understanding and I think it's a literal enough one from understanding the parallel like instead of just ignoring the parallel and saying okay water's mentioned in the flood peter says water says baptism saves you so water baptism justifies you before god but you know did water the waters of the flood did the baptism as it were from the flood justify no one is family before God. I don't believe that the scriptures say that. I think it's clear, as I've uh, mentioned and repeated before from Genesis. 6 verse 9 once again Noah was righteous just Zedek before God before the command to build the ark before the flood waters now the flood waters separated or you know marked out identified or removed the influence of the wicked people the wickedness of the world from Noah and his family and so that's what I think the nuance of this text is from this verse and from what the parallel does because i believe in taking scripture um, as literally as we can um, seeing how things are explained and when you have a parallel like this from the apostle peter i want to take the parallel itself as much as i can as literally as i can not ignore the details and just say, water saves, baptism saves, so therefore the sacrament of water baptism justifies you before God, and so it it doesn't seem that that's what Peter is saying, and I know that um, my friend Evan there on Facebook, when I explained this to him, he did... Admit that it was a very interesting uh, explanation that he will have to keep that in mind when he's, uh, you know, thinking about and discussing 1 Peter 3.21. Okay. You know, and I'm not trying to be like some novel interpreter here. I know that um, a lot of people might not explain it the way I just did, but I think I'm trying to be faithful to the text here and understand Um, the passage as literally as I can and let the parallel between the flood and water baptism play out with the language of the text um, the account in Genesis how it mentions a, a clear conscience an answer of a good conscience before God so that's you know, I'm trying to be faithful to the text there and understand, yeah, even as the Apostle Paul says things like, so now your faith is nearer than when you first believed, you know, or your salvation nearer than when you first believed, it is possible that save here, especially given that Peter um, talking about eschatology in the second epistle. So, I just arrived at work. I just parked, and so that will have to be an end to this episode and So, I hope you enjoyed I hope this helped a little bit in um, giving you some possible understanding. I could be wrong here, but uh, you know i've i 've looked at this passage. Intently, I've studied uh, Genesis 6, I've studied the parallel here, and I think it, it's worth a shot of understanding what Peter meant by saying that baptism saves. And so, stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and some more of Truth Spresso Express.